Well, let me say immediately that I'm very strongly supportive of the last speaker's remarks. I think that it would be rather abstract to be discussing security and minutiae of it, even within the Union, and not acknowledge the threat to the very security of our future existence itself. And even in relation to, I think, anticipating future conflicts that will come that are there already from desertification and the conflict between pastoralists and agriculturalists, but also that all that will flow from the conflicts will flow from the absence of water. The security that we speak of must have these issues in its discourse. And I have to say, and the only issue I'll say about that I think as well is something that is very important about this morning's discussion, I sense an agreement that migrants should not be used as chattels and should not lead, if you like, should not have visited upon them the consequences of a humanitarian crisis, when we all know so well that the humanitarian institutions of the United Nations are being deprived of finance, undermined, reduced, and undermined. But returning to the speech that we have just heard, with which I have said I so strongly agree, if there is a weak discourse in the world at the moment, as somebody who is directly elected and who directly deals with citizens, they often talk to me about what happened, that discourse that was in Europe at the time of the founder that spoke of peace. Where did the discourse of peace go? When did diplomacy become a diplomacy of fear? When did diplomacy not be able to deal with the normative anymore? And they do say to me, is it not nothing less than a moral outrage that our boundless capacity for creativity and innovation and the fruits of new science and technology are turned again not to the promotion and preservation of peace, but to the pursuit and prosecution of war? And to say all of this, to be in fact actually, to claim the right to speak for peace is not the right, is not saying that I am making a case to be weak. It is when you're in fact following these issues that you're at your strongest. You're at your weakest when you're inventing and living by abstractions of fear. Yes, there are real issues. And Ireland supports, for example, all of the work of collaboration in relation to cyber threats, in relation to all of these other issues of making our European citizens safe. But I do think, too, isn't it very a great, isn't it past time, following on what we have just heard, that we set about the transfer of science and technology to, to increase capacities to live insufficiently? I entirely agree, for example, for example, many of the countries of the Western world have used Africa as a place to send their excess food surpluses. And at the same time, there was no scientific contribution on how to grow pulses that would have enabled soils not to be depleted and so on. So we have, I think, to really think, ask what we're doing because the security issue is global. The security issue, a question that integrates both this morning's discussion and this afternoon. 
What is it that has stopped a global fund emerging to deal with migration in terms of its sources in relation to science and sufficiency of life, in relation to transition, in relations to adaptation, in relations to... At a time when money was cheap, when money was costing nothing, we have prevented ourselves by our outdated rules from being able to bring into an existence a fund responsible to the United Nations that might have dealt with anticipating migration, but including that threatened by climate change, that might have been able to deal with transition and return. For after all, more than 35% of migrants surveyed want to return to their homes. And it could have dealt with anticipation in relation to housing and health. But that is a great failure of diplomacy. So in a way, in a way, our discussion this morning is inextricably linked to, in fact, our discussion uh, uh, this afternoon. But really, if the science and technology has not found its place to where it might increase the capacity for life that would have affected migration, it most certainly has found itself into those on the, into the heart of the armaments industry. Can we, in fact, actually muster enthusiasm anymore for non-proliferation, for the total abandonment of nuclear weapons? And you know what I find most interesting, I have to say, at my age, are the long invocations, if you like, to all the things that we must do to achieve peace and harmony, when it comes, in fact, from the exporters of armaments. And often the strongest speeches are those for coming who are fighting for rankings in relation to the sale of weapons to those who are destabilizing societies in more than one continent. I think it is time, you know, we should mark the 50th anniversary of the entry into force of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. I'm proud of Ireland's role in that. But it is time to return to the discourse of peace and the achievement of balance and a recognition of not of an interdependency of fear, but an interdependence of vulnerabilities. Yes, we must cooperate to feel safe, but we also must think long and see the trap we are falling into when we have abandoned diplomacy to this narrow, narrow furrow, yet again, so, so different from Spinelli and Rossi. Remember who founded the, the vintage, wrote in the Ventitana agreed with suggestion that in fact that it was supposed to be all about peace. It would be all about peace in the future. And now again it is all about war and fear and terror.